Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide. Last week, Microsoft announced its near $70 billion purchase of Activision Blizzard. This deal is the largest in tech history. It would bring in all of Activision Blizzard's portfolio into the Microsoft family, including games like World of Warcraft and Call of Duty. It would also integrate both Call of Duty League and the Overwatch League. There's been much speculation about game exclusivity or what it means for the future of the console war, but for this episode, we're going to focus on how this deal will affect esports. Joining me today is Freelance Call of Duty League reporter Tanner Wooten. Tanner, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Absolutely, Matt. Appreciate you having me on. So Tanner, you know, you and Liz Richardson wrote a piece last week about what this deal could mean for the future of Activision Blizzard esports. And, you know, I think one of the earlier points you brought up in your article was that Microsoft has essentially bought Activision Blizzard at $95 a share, which is you know a very generous price. And that is obviously a huge influx of cash into the uh, Activision Blizzard family. Now, we do know that, you know, between like the first and second seasons of both the Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, there were cutbacks on staff and production value. Uh, do you feel or is it, is there any indication in your reporting that um, both of these leagues will get a new kind of influx of cash or a new uh, set, uh, a greater spotlight to help expand these leagues further? Yeah, so I don't have anything concrete, but you'd have to think so, right? I mean, they're making a nearly $70 billion with a B purchase. Um, and in that is the Call of Duty League and the Overwatch League. Uh, I can't speak to the Overwatch League as much, but I know with the Call of Duty League, plans were after the inaugural 2020 season to expand to potentially 16 teams, right? They mm -hmm. stand at 12 right now. But obviously with the COVID-19 pandemic uh, ongoing, um, you know, and, and affecting their ability to host in-person events, like there are teams in the league that have not hosted a, you know, home series yet. I mean, it's this right. is year three and, and it's not to the fault of the league because of the pandemic, but it just goes to show you that that it affected it so much. And, you know, they're kind of stuck at 12 teams right now. So we'll see with with Microsoft. I mean, the buy in was rumored to be twenty five million dollars per franchise slot. That's a steep cost, especially for a league that, you know, is averaging probably 30 to 40,000 viewers on non optic matches. So <laughs> it is a tough spot to be in for the CDL, but we will see with Microsoft. If they are able to, you know, invest in the competitive scene to bring in new viewers um, like they have with the Halo franchise, obviously Halo released a new game last year, Infinite, and has done pretty well. And the HCS has done, you know, relatively well also. So it will be interesting to see with Microsoft and, you know, one of the richest companies, one of the one of the most valuable companies in the entire world, you know, how much do they value esports, right? And especially console esport like Call of Duty. You know, when it comes to Microsoft and esports, the company really hasn't had the best track record. You know, there was a Halo MLG league back in the day, and Gears of War has its own kind of esports league, but it's always seemed as very, very ancillary as something that's more of like a marketing promotional tool. And given Microsoft's lack of success in being able to create a vibrant esports ecosystem that's on the level of a Riot Games or even a Valve with Dota. I mean, how would bringing on two massive properties at all change that? I mean, it, it does. It does Microsoft is, is Microsoft showing any proclivity towards charting a new chapter? 
I think with Halo and its and its most recent re- release, they are you know looking to be more involved in the esports space, right? And I think they are more cognizant of the health and success of their esport uh, you know operations, right? I think you look at Halo Four um, was kind of the downturn of Halo esports, and, yeah. and Halo Five. I mean, you know, there's there's images out there that you can look up of the you know Halo World Championship. There's like 13 people. Um, with metal bleachers uh, watching, right? I mean, it's it's not really what you imagine an eSport to look like. So the rebound has been impressive though, right? And we'll see, you know, I don't know how much of them buying uh, Activision was in part because of the eSports, right? With CDL and OWL. But, um, you know, you have to think some part of that was, you know, planned for them to be able to expand their eSports reach and to get into that space. So I, I don't know, what that's going to look like from Microsoft's perspective. Um, There also could be an opportunity for them to trim some fat, right? I mean, there could be an opportunity for them to say, hey, you know what, this... This this franchise league started in 2020, hasn't really been successful. Let's just nix it and let them kind of do their own thing, right? I, I don't know what if that's something they're considering, but you got to think all options are on the table because at the end of the day, Microsoft is a publicly traded company. Their main concern is making profits for their shareholders, right? And so if the CDL is a dead weight or the OWL is a dead weight, then what are they to do other than say, hey, you know what, we tried and we're going to go a different direction with it. Well, I mean, here's a somewhat obvious question uh, based on performance throughout 2021. Are both uh, Overwatch League and uh, Call of Duty League dead weight? So I can't speak to the OWL. I'm not as involved. Um, I did co-write that article with Liz Richardson, who's an awesome, awesome reporter with Dot Esports, who covers the Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. For me, I mainly focus on the Call of Duty League, so I can speak to you know my experience. It's tough. Right, because you have a league that has really been predicated on top uh, personalities, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have you have Scump, right, who is one of the biggest names, who's one of the most mentioned esports athletes in the world year in and year out, in an esport that isn't that popular relative to some of its counterparts, right? And the fact that it is so predicated on personalities and you have guys retiring, right? I mean, you think of you think of Karma, you think of, I just saw Parasite retired, who's been a long time staple. Um, you have a guy like Sensor, uh, who was a, a member of FaZe, who has won championships and is struggling to get into the CDL and is in the, in, in the challenger scene at the amateur level, right? So you have a lot of these guys who the game is, I don't wanna say pass them by, but maybe they are not as talented as some of the young guys coming up. The problem is, is a lot of those young guys are unknown. So you don't have those personalities driving the viewership like you had maybe, you know, three, four, five, six years ago. And the only time, and I alluded to this earlier, that you have substantial viewership numbers is when Optic plays, who Scump plays for, right? And they right. have a huge content presence still within the Call of Duty scene beyond just, you know, their CDL players. They have content creators like Formal. I know they just brought on, you know, with the merger of Envy, they now have Teep. They have uh, Bobby Poff. They have um, Z laners. So they have a lot of guys that have a, a bigger outreach beyond just competitive Call of Duty. And, you know, they obviously with the Warzone uh, players. So it's tough, right? And, you know, there's times I watched basically every match last year, right? Covering it for Dot Esports. It's, I, I really enjoy watching it, but 
I, I don't know. I think there needs to be more investment into just the ranked ecosystem within Call of Duty. I can't tell you the last time there was a properly functioning ELO-based rank system. It just doesn't come with the game, which is kind of incredible when you think about the type of game Call of Duty is, and it would be perfect if it launched you know, with a ELO-based rank system. Um, there needs to be more focus on that, right? And the CDL from the get-go and more so recently as I started to watch and kind of think about how they operate, really just feels like a big-time marketing ploy because they don't really seem too dedicated and too invested in the league itself. They seem more interested in using the league to push their current game right now, which is Vanguard, to push skins, to push microtransactions. And it's been really disappointing to watch from afar where there's a lot of guys who are extremely talented, who are fun personalities, and it just doesn't seem like there's the investment from Activision into its league, right? And that's one of the most frustrating parts to watch as I, I am a fan of the league, right? And I cover it, but it, it's something that I really enjoy. And it's just been really disheartening to kind of see it be treated as a, as a redheaded stepchild, if you will, uh, you know, within Activision. Well, you know, Activision Blizzard has been kind of been, uh, been treated as the redheaded stepchild in the gaming industry as a whole throughout 2021, given its various lawsuits from both California and the federal government in regards to its poor labor practices. And it seems that for CEO Bobby Kotick, this deal, uh, he, he recently had a meeting with his board investors, which uh, rumors say didn't uh, instill a lot of confidence in his future. So it's very likely that, you know, he's on the outs. Uh, when it comes to sponsors, many of whom dropped out of the league following all the uh, lawsuits and allegations and whatnot, do you think that Microsoft's squeakier, cleaner image might attract some of these players back? Absolutely. I think for Microsoft, their reputation since, you know, the Xbox One PS4 generation has continued to climb to just a, a higher level of appreciation from the community um, mm -hmm. within gaming, right? I mean, you know, 2013 was not a great year for Xbox, right? And and, and I had an Xbox One, um, you know, from launch and I just, I had a 360 and I went to Xbox, but I know there's a lot of folks who went from 360 to PS4 and have not looked back. So Microsoft and the Xbox division have done everything in its power to gain back some of that market share. And they've done a really good job. And Phil Spencer is really damn good at his job. I mean, he's he's truly very, very good at his job um, and uh, has done an incredible job with the Xbox division and, and, and inquiring a lot of these studios and these companies to uh, bring more exclusive games to Xbox. So I think when you look at Microsoft and the acquisitions they've made over the last few years, right, they're, they're doing everything in their power to create a positive experience for their consumer. And I think that plays very well with advertisers, right? Um, I will be curious to see for those advertisers such as Astro, um, there was a few other that I can't remember off the top of my head, but if, if, it, if they do come back, right? Because part of me wonders, obviously the press from Activision was not great and they didn't mm -hmm. want to be associated with it, but also was it an easy way for them to get out of a league again that does not have a ton of eyeballs on, on it every single match? Right. And, and I wonder how much of that really played into it where they said, hey, this is an easy opportunity for us to, to get out of here and cut our losses and, and move on to maybe another league that, that might be a, a better fit for us. And, you know, speaking of, I guess, league perception, uh, you know, last month there was uh, quite a bit of uh, Twitter. I, how would you call it? 
don't know, Twitter ranting by Nadeshot regarding the Call of Duty League and how he's really thankful his investors told, like, pretty much forced him uh, not to allow 100 Thieves to invest into the Call of Duty League. Uh, What has the reaction been from some of the top uh, personalities within the Call of Duty space regarding the Microsoft acquisition? I think it's positive, right? I think you you look back, you know, over the past month, there has been a lot of of you know complaints and concerns from a lot of the top players and owners within the Call of Duty League. Right? I mean, you look at Hex and Nate Shot; they had like an hour and a half uh, just conversation on Twitch talking about the CDL and the problems and what they need to do to move forward uh, and to start to kind of see some of that return on investment. Right? I know Nate Shot's comment was something along the lines of. You know, my my uh, team told me not to invest. It, it wouldn't be, you know, the return we were looking for. And, uh, you know, after the first year, I had to get into the CDL. And two years later, it looks like I'm the idiot or something along those lines. Right. So right. I maybe some buyer's remorse there. And, and that's especially telling from somebody whose career has been built on the back of competitive Call of Duty and who has, you know, been the face alongside Scump. I mean, even to this day, I think of competitive Call of Duty. I think of Nadeshot, right? I mean, one of the biggest esports athletes of all time in North America. And for him to sit there and say that carries a lot of weight, right? I mean, he's somebody who, when he talks, I mean, it, you listen, right? I mean, he's he's very knowledgeable. Obviously, he's done a fantastic job with 100 Thieves. And and and, and one of the guys who's, who's done a great job with their CDL branding as well with the Los Angeles Thieves, you know? Um, I think... The, the Microsoft acquisition, it's not going to be, you know, overnight, right? It's not going to be, you know, I mean, the deal's not going to close until 2023 at the earliest. It's not going to be an overnight success for the CDL. But there is hope, especially going back to their investment into Halo Esports, that they can get it turned around, right? And I think, again, that really does start with a competitive ranked playlist. Because I think about Myself, I play Rocket League a lot because I'm always trying to grind to get that higher rank system. And that in turn got me interested in, uh, you know, the RLCS, right? Rocket League Esports is incredible to watch. Think of how many more fans the Call of Duty series could garner with its competitive play if it had, you know, a basic, just a basic rank playlist at the start. Not whatever league play they come out with that is, you know, just so bare bones and, you know, nothing to show for your, your the, the rank you earn. I mean, you know, you think about some of the other top esports in the world, right? You know, you think about CSGO, Valorant, League. I'm not as familiar with those, but I do know that they have very extensive rank systems that create a big fan base, right? And and, and they want to see the, the best of the best because they say, hey, I'm this rank. The pro players are this rank. I want to see the differences. I want to learn from them, whatever it may be. Call of Duty hasn't had that in a number of years. I think World War II is the last time they had a legitimately good rank system, which that game came out in 2017. We're now in 2022, right? You know, four, four years and a few months later from that launch. So it's really, I think for them, they need to invest in the, the competitive ecosystem if they do want to see their return on their investment within the Call of Duty League, right? Like, I, it can't just be a marketing ploy. It can't just be a scheme to sell skins, right? Which the CDL has not even released skins for the 2022 season, and the game's been out for two and a half months, if that tells you anything. So, you know, with Halo, they launched with, you know, the the, the esports skins day one, right? That's just one of the, the complaints that a lot of pro players and competitive fans have had. So I think for 
the Call of Duty scene, the community, the professionals, the coaches, everybody involved, you know, they see what, again, Microsoft, I keep going back to it, but it, it has been a successful launch, especially competitive wise and the HCS, right? It's been a really successful launch. I just go back to the fact that they had, they were down, right? Halo was very down. I, I never really thought about Halo as an esport after, you know, Halo 4, right? Which is sad because I look at Halo as kind of the father of North American esports, right? And, and MLG and Adam Apicella and all those guys and gals that started MLG, you know, with Halo 1, Halo 2, right? And for that game to get to that point was really disheartening. But to see them now bring it back, you have to think, with Call of Duty and how big, I mean, Call of Duty is one of the biggest games of all time. You have to think Microsoft is willing to put in the time and money needed to turn that thing around. But yeah, you know, sometimes it's not even, like sometimes even name itself doesn't cut it. Uh, if you look at some of the playership numbers for Halo, it's dropped off rather significantly. And I guess, you know, sometimes that's the case when you release a free to play game, everyone kind of just downloads it just because it's free. And then the people who are dedicated are the ones who stick around. But, you know, we're already seeing at least, you know, in um, Halo, uh, Halo lobbies that there are some cheaters, which is kind of dampening the experience. Uh, they've definitely had some like issues or server issues with like big team battle and whatnot. So e e as powerful of a software company, uh, as Microsoft is, there's clearly a lot more uh, the company could be doing and probably should be doing if it really wants to have a healthy Halo esports ecosystem. Uh, but, you know, one thing I did also want to ask you is that in interviews, Phil Spencer, I, th I think the reason gamers really like him is that, you know, he started off as an intern at Microsoft as a programmer and always kind of viewed himself as kind of like a video game fan first and an executive second. And he seems to be bringing that same sort of mentality to the Activision Blizzard acquisition. You know, he said uh, that he got off a call with Sony saying that, you know, certain franchises that Sony uh, gamers have been accustomed to such as call of duty most likely he was referring to would not suddenly become microsoft and uh, microsoft or xbox or pc exclusives um and, and he also showed a desire to bring back uh past activision blizzard franchises that have been dormant i mean do you think under a microsoft leadership we could see uh heroes of the storm or starcraft esports return I'll be honest with you, I am not as familiar with those esports, but you you've you've seen a lot from Phil Spencer with regards to some of those IPs that have been under Activision that have been sheltered or you know stowed away, right? And you know, I, I just think of, for example, this is not an esport, obviously. It, it could be, it might be an incredible esport. I don't know. I'd be I'd be down, but you know, Guitar Hero, right? Like they're talking about a, a potential, you know, revamp of Guitar Hero, right? Sure. And and you think about other IPs um that that carry a lot of weight, like like StarCraft and, and the ones you mentioned um you certainly could i think i think if if microsoft sees esports as a you know future um you know in 2022 and beyond then they certainly could because like i said they are a corporation their main objective is to make as much profit as possible to keep their shareholders happy right that's what america is all about um you know for better or for worse right and that's what microsoft is all about but I do think Phil Spencer, like you said, at his core is a gamer, um, is somebody who I would not be shocked if he probably has a PlayStation, right? And, and plays some of those exclusives because he, 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 you know, he seems like a guy who does love just video games. And I really respect that. And I also respect his grind to start as an intern and work his way up to one of the biggest companies in the world. I mean, that's really impressive and obviously shows you what kind of smarts and, and ability he has. So yeah, I, I, I can't speak to that, but 
I wouldn't be surprised, right? And if there is demand for it, then then we'll certainly see you know revamp of a lot of different uh, titles under Activision and, and Microsoft moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, I'm I'm down for a Guitar Hero to return in some kind of competitive environment. Of course, I assume Twitch and YouTube's DRMs would be going uh, bonkers <laughs> trying to control oh, all these songs. You know, one thing that has kind of defined uh, Activision Blizzard's uh, properties, especially Call of Duty, has been this kind of yearly release cadence. And with Vanguard, which uh, I don't think it's had the same level of hype and anticipation as past iterations have had. And I think companies like Ubisoft have also come to this conclusion that if you do a release of a franchise year over year, it, players become fatigued by it and maybe want to play something else. Uh, do you feel that uh, under Microsoft supervision, you know, Microsoft isn't releasing a Halo every year. It's, it's like releasing one every five years that, and same with like, you know, for the Forza series and the Gears of War series, do you think Microsoft is going to tell its teams over at Activision Blizzard that, hey, you know, you don't have to be on this yearly release cadence. And uh, do you think that extra breathing room could help make for a more competitive, a more robust game? Yeah, and that's there's a lot to unpack there when I think about it, because you look at Call of Duty sales and the amount of money it makes off of microtransactions annually. Mm -hmm. It is it is a large number. Right. And is 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 Microsoft and Activision willing to take that off of the table to put out a game every three or four years? I, as a consumer, would appreciate it. The only thing is, is I can't I think Black Ops 4 in 2018 was the last Call of Duty that I played where I was playing public matches, right? Like Team Deathmatch, Search and Destroy, like just kind of the, you know, the normal multiplayer. And even on Black Ops 4, they had the Battle Royale mode blackout. And I started to transition to that. So it's it's tough. The last three titles have have had, you know, they've had good things about them, right? There are certain things about you know, Modern Warfare that came out in 2019, as well as Black Ops Cold War that came out in 2020 and, and Vanguard that I do appreciate. But, you know, just especially Vanguard. I mean, it is it is in a, a terrible state right now. I mean, you know, one, one of my friends, we were playing Warzone, um, which I know is not the actual Vanguard game, but his Xbox, he cannot play more than a couple of games before it boots him out and we have to wait and, and, and have him come back in. And, and, and I know Vanguard, for example, uh, Control is the third competitive game mode um, and has been the last uh, three out of the last four releases has been that third game mode in addition to Hardpoint as well as Search and Destroy, with the one exception being Modern Warfare, which was Domination, which was not a very fun game mode to watch competitively. But Control is broken right now. And they played it last night um, on Friday, January 21st. Uh, we're recording here on the 22nd on Saturday um, during the CDL kickoff uh, down in Arlington, Texas. And it went okay. The spawns are a little you know, off, uh, but I I've seen people play Control and the game just crashes. I mean, that's that's unacceptable. Right. I mean, the game, you know, it's 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 a game where you, you know, either try to capture the point or you only have 30 lives. So if you if you're eliminated, you lose. Right. And so it's early in the match. Just for example, it's 30 to 26 in lives and the game ends. Right. And that's unacceptable because you think about the the size of Activision and for them to allow something like that to happen. Right. is just unacceptable. And so I think if. Yeah, if, if they allowed themselves two, three, four, five years to release new Call of Duty titles, that it could potentially bring in a more polished game, 
right? Bringing a bringing a less broken game, um, and, and hopefully that that also translates over to you know Warzone and, and the other connected Call of Duty franchises. Um, the problem is, is I don't know if they're going to take a billion dollars off the table, right? I mean, that's a substantial amount of money. Are they going to, you know, put that aside and say, hey, we're going to do this for the betterment of the consumer? I don't know, because Microsoft does seem to have the consumers, you know, at, at you know, at, at forefront of their mind more than a lot of other companies. And I don't want to sound like a Microsoft shill, but they have done a really good job over the past few years. So, yeah, I would love it as a consumer if they gave us a good Call of Duty game. But if I got stuck with Vanguard for three years, I don't know <laughs> if if that would be a lot of fun, right? But if I got Black Ops 4 for three years with continuous improvements, new guns, new new maps, right? And they had the Battle Pass system. I, I could be on board with that, right? I think that would be a smart move. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, I, I just about every journalist out there wrote something about the uh, Microsoft Activision Blizzard Um you know, acquisition. And, you know, one of the persons I spoke with was uh, Dr. Aswat Demedaran from NYU. And he's just kind of this award-winning professor in, you know, the, in, in markets over at NYU. And kind of like the most pressing thing that he told me during our kind of exchange was that Xbox as big as it is, is still such a small part of Microsoft's overall portfolio. And that this play by Microsoft largely, you know, isn't even about, you know, going after Sony or Nintendo, but is in reality trying to go after that next big startup that could completely upend the gaming industry all together. And, you know, he pointed to Roblox being like a major disruptor in that. So I think there's still a ton to unpack between now and, and, you know, in the, uh, Acquisition is finalized in 2023 and beyond. But with that, thank you so much for jumping on the show, Tanner. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me. You know, I think the last thing that I'll say is, again, I'm a fan of of, of competitive Call of Duty, and I really do hope that Microsoft is able to, you know, be part of the 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 crew that is able to figure it out, right, and get back to its peak that we have seen because. In the past, Call of Duty has been an extremely exciting esports to watch, has done mm-hmm. very well viewership-wise. So I think if they're able to get back to their roots a little bit, you know, and it, and it all starts with the games, right? And so we'll, we'll see. But, hey, I, again, I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how this acquisition plays out. It's a very exciting time to be a gamer right now. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwamad.com. To follow Tanner, you can find him at Tanner Wu-Ting on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, you can find me at Imad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrique Demore. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. Our research assistant is Sam Higgins. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.